It is Tuesday morning, Nickelback time on Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Good stuff coming up. Tale of two teams. Vikings floundering after that loss to the Cowboys. Gophers surging. Four straight Big Ten wins alone atop the Big Ten West standings. Andrew Kramer will join me here in just a minute for our weekly film review, looking at the Vikings offense, the offensive line, and trying to figure out what what and who gets the blame for an offense that hasn't been able to put teams away and hasn't been able to be consistent for the most part this season. We'll look at some specific things on the offensive line to try to get to the bottom of this. My least favorite team is my favorite team. Scratch that. Just call it my least favorite team. Segment with Keith Rashad on the Vikings. And just <laughs> taking a look again at that Sunday game and all of the bad things that seem to happen in that game. And Randy Johnson um, after that. Talking go for football. Um, that's the team you might want to latch on to for the rest of the year. We'll see. Um, Illinois coming up this weekend and then showdown at Iowa and then Indiana and then showdown against Wisconsin opportunity right there to have a special season can they finish it can they do what they need to do to win the Big Ten West we will find out as the year goes on let's get to it should we film review time on daily delivery Andrew Kramer covers the Vikings for the Star Tribune joins me on every Tuesday show Film doesn't lie, Andrew. Um, we might like it to, but uh, there's, the film does not lie about that Vikings game. They got absolutely worked on the offensive line in a lot of cases, and it affected Kirk Cousins. And they just they couldn't move the ball, and that's you know half of the story of their twenty to sixteen loss to Dallas. I suppose the other half is not being able to stop backup quarterback Cooper Rush when they needed to the most. But we want to focus on kind of the ineffectiveness of the offense and just up, down, up, down, especially with the offensive line play. What did you see as you went back and looked at this game that stood out to you? Yeah, and it's, it's first, it's a good point about with Cooper Rush. I mean, the difference in this game was the Cowboys were able to get the ball to their top wide receivers with ease throughout the game, and the Vikings were not. And on offense, Kirk Cousins um, looked flustered throughout. Once Randy Gregory, once um, the defensive lineman for the Cowboys up front, Micah Parsons at linebacker. Once those guys got pressure on Kirk, you saw Kirk and Clint Kubiak, I think, get pretty conservative in some of their decision-making. Clint, obviously, with the headset up, up high he, in the booth, he can see the offensive line getting demolished. He starts adjusting some of the things he's doing. Where Remember in the, the first drive, he uh, Kirk hits Tyler Conklin 31 yards down the field, deep go route. It looks like oh boy, if the Cowboys want to stack the box, the Vikings are just going to take their shots and they're going to have them. Um, those dried up. Jefferson missed the one um, later on. I think it might have been even in the same quarter, um, but they didn't really go back to them at all. You saw some choice spots later in the game, but Kirk would check them down. And then they get into deep situations where it's third long and obviously they had no, had no shot there. So this was just a situation where one thing after another went wrong. And when you go back and watch it, it's amazing to see how many hands were in all the failures because it was from Tyler Conklin blowing a block to CJ Ham doing it to Dalvin seemingly missing a hole in the run game. I mean, it was just a little bit of everything. Yeah, it uh, it certainly was. And so it, as we try to parse it out, I think you're right. It, it's probably not one specific thing. It's kind of a domino effect, right? Like the if you if you aren't able to keep clean protection, then 
Kirk Cousins game starts to be impacted. And even when the pressure isn't as bad as it is, he's kind of, you know, he's, he's in this spot where he's still thinks he's going to feel it and he's going to check it down and a lot of short completions. And then it, it informs how, how Clint Kubiak's going to call a game and maybe he's not as aggressive and maybe he should have been more aggressive anyway, but it's, it's all connected. It's just hard to, hard to figure out where it's, where it starts. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear guys like Dalvin cook. We talked to him today on Monday and he's talking about how we just didn't find ourselves, didn't get into a rhythm. And a, a big part of that is him. A big part of that is the running game. We all know this offense is at its best when it doesn't even have to get into third down. Like that's a great situation for any offense, but particularly one where the quarterback's not mobile. He is not going to turn a negative into a positive when it comes to pressure. And you have an offensive line that's very susceptible to giving up pressure. So when you get into certain situations, you're just stuck with what you have and you can't do much. We saw that. We saw that on third and 12 at the end of the game where Kirk basically just has to check it down to Tyler Conklin for six yards because he's got pressure of Garrett Bradbury right up the middle, like almost right away. And that, that gives Jefferson, that gives Thielen, that gives these guys no time to get downfield. It's happening in almost two and a half seconds, which is kind of that, that threshold in the NFL. So I don't know kind of where you go from here, because if the offensive line is going to do this, where they play so well in Carolina and they did, they'd play very well against guys like Derek Brown, Hassan Reddick, very good rushers in, in Carolina to this, where it's just, you're at home. It's supposed to be everything. You have all, all the advantages on your side. This is a good Dallas defense, but it's not even Chicago when they're healthy and what you're going to face later with the Rams. Now we just traded for Von Miller. You're going to get them in December. So it, all these things are going to stack up for the Vikings. It, it leaves Clint Kubiak, for instance, in a very interesting spot because he knows these issues are there in the, in the personnel and the offensive line. Yet you need to trust that you can get the shots downfield. And he just didn't have that trust on Sunday night. And the few times that they even called them in the second half, Kirk didn't seem to have that trust. He just checked it down. Yeah, and that's a problem. I mean, and they've, you know, not putting a team away, they've kind of gotten away with it in in past weeks. I think the Detroit game is a good example of that where, you know, they, they had the, the advantage probably because even as as stagnant as the offense was in that game, they weren't, they didn't feel like they were threatened until they were. And I think it probably felt like that way in this game too, where, you know, you had a 10-3 halftime lead, Cooper Rush is going nowhere, and then all of a sudden they hit that long play and it's 10 10 and then now you're like well now you're gonna have to you're in a game now you're gonna have to you have to score and they just didn't have anything going and i think that the particular play as you mentioned with bradbury getting blown off the ball and we've seen that in in the games they've struggled in particular in the past and we saw it again it's just like if if that's gonna happen even periodically where you you can't hold up on the middle of the middle of the line of scrimmage that's a problem it is and for a third year first round pick this is not the development curve I'm sure they set out and hoped he'd be on. They, this, he needs to have gotten better at anchoring against big nose tackles. And it, it, they're playing really – he's doing this against anybody. This, this isn't just like, oh, when he faces the Michael Pierce's or Linval Joseph's or whomever's considered a good nose tackle in the NFL nowadays. There, it's not like it's just those guys. You're seeing it against just anybody. Anybody's big 340-pounder. He is not able to prevent the – line of scrimmage from going directly back into Dalvin cook and Kirk cousins. And you're getting pretty inconsistent play, which might be, which should be maybe expected from Ezra Cleveland in his second year and Ole Udo in his first year as a starter. And so that's not helping anything. If you don't have that center that can really kind of settle that line down. And you're seeing that with Cleveland too. I thought Cleveland was actually the worst lineman on the field for the Vikings on Sunday night. And that's saying something considering all the highlights you were talking about or lowlights with Garrett Bradbury. 
Last thing, Andrew, they go to Baltimore next weekend. Where? I mean, we just established the location, but metaphorically speaking, where do they go from here as an offense? What's, how do they reestablish any kind of identity? I think it has to be Dalvin Cook. It has to be finding a way to get this run game going. And one of the interesting things that they've done this year under Clint Kubiak and this coaching staff, and, and remember now, Rick Dennison's not there. He was the run game coordinator. He was the guy putting in all the game plans. He was the kind of that connection with Gary Kubiak and the old way of doing things in terms of it. We're just wide zone. Then we'll mix it up with some inside zone and we're not going to get too crazy. And Clint has come in and really instill more of a multiple run game. They're doing gap scheme stuff, pulling power schemes. Um, Sometimes linemen are missing assignments. Sometimes things are going a little awry. I wonder if it's too much. And I wonder if simplifying things in the running game could help them open things up a little bit in terms of just getting into more manageable third downs, not even having to get into third downs because you're in second and three and you can go ahead and move on from there. So I just, I think that it has to be Dalvin cook. The, the reason why they did so well in Carolina was due in part because cook looked healthy. He was running for 140 yards uh, and Kirk cousins was calm and he wasn't checking it down as soon as he thinks he felt pressure. And that's, that was a big, big problem on Sunday night was Kirk wasn't giving them a chance and it felt like their play calling wasn't really giving them much of a chance either. Good stuff, Andrew. Better than we saw Sunday night, that is for sure. We'll do this again next week, all right? Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Good stuff from Andrew Kramer. Better stuff, I should say, than the pass blocking of the interior of the Vikings offensive line. Here are some pro football focus numbers for you to chew on here. Garrett Bradbury, who we talked about on uh, on the segment, um, thirty one out of thirty first out of thirty one. That's dead last among qualified centers in pass blocking grade this season. Ole Udo and Ezra Cleveland rank forty fifth and forty ninth, respectively, out of sixty in pass blocking guards. All of them below average. Garrett Bradbury, the very worst. When you go up against a good team, those guys are going to struggle because those all three guys are right in the middle there, and that is what you saw on Sunday night. Welcome back to another award-winning segment of My Least Favorite Team is My Favorite Team, officially renamed My Least Favorite Team is the Vikings. Um, I think uh, Keith Rashad joins me off of another game that goes down to the wire, and this time they can't escape. They, They... mess around with the backup quarterback. They can't move the ball. They refuse to move the ball and looks like they might get away with it. Cause they do, you know, thanks to the gift of 18 penalties, by the way, they had more penalty, more first downs by penalty than by pass on, uh, on Sunday night. If, if people were unfamiliar with that stat, if you didn't know that stat Keith, but uh, maybe it's better that they didn't get away with it, even though that would have helped their season. I mean, we need to rename the segment. My least favorite team causes nothing but impotent rage, I think is maybe the better yeah. name for it. Right? There is, let's put it this way. Every weakness that we imagined the Vikings might have this season was absolutely on display in that game. I blogged every about that. Absolutely one. was. Yes. 
I mean, you start with the coaching. You start with the coaching. Both ends of at the ends of both halves demonstrated just how just how off. I'm sorry, Brent. I'm sorry. I'm going to use the word awful. All right. I'm sorry <laughs> to, to our one fan. Or I guess he's your fan. He doesn't like me that much. He's coming but around. I'm sorry, to you. Brent. I think he's coming around to you. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But I mean, how do you not call a timeout at the end of the first half? I don't know. There's like 25 seconds left. And Cousins after the game said, Well, I just let the coaches deal with that now because I'm not quite sure what they want from me. Which was well, you which know, was first telling, of all, which was telling in and of itself. In so many ways. In so many ways, it, you know, it's like it, but if you're Mike Zimmer, right? How do you not call that? Call if, if it is your yes. responsibility, and if you've told your $33 million quarterback that you don't want it to be his responsibility, how are you not doing that? How, maybe, I mean, what maybe, Zim, maybe Zimmer didn't want a timeout. Maybe he didn't think there was enough time left to score because he is very conservative at the end of first halves. Well, not just conservative, but he is bad. He is bad oh. at the end of first halves. Yes. And, and again, it speaks to exactly what we talked about last time around, that this guy should – but refuses to trust the best unit on his team. He should trust the best unit on his team, but he absolutely refuses. And, and so then the coaching was bad. And, you know, uh, despite all reports to the contrary, I am still of the opinion that it's possible that Kirk Cousins is an actual human being. And so uh, a game where he didn't perform that well uh, was bound to happen. It, ha- it happens to people, right? And he is not infallible. And we've seen uh, better quarterbacks have bad days as well, too. He did not play particularly well, but he was also not helped out by whatever it is that they were allegedly trying to do on offense. Yes. And, and, then, and then I'm just going to sit here real patiently before I talk about the defense. La, la, oh. la, la, la. I'm well, just going to wait patiently. Well, let's, let's get to this. Let's keep just waiting. Let's keep talking about the offense for a minute because I want to read you a quote from Adam Thielen. Did you see the Adam Thielen okay, quote? Okay, I'll be, I'll be patient. I'll be patient about our discussion with the defense. Every game we just hang around, hang around, hang around, let a team hang around instead of just putting our foot on the gas and going. We went down and scored on the first drive. We have to put our foot on the gas. I don't know what we need to do that, but we've been saying it since week one. I kind of feel like Adam Thielen should be on this segment of this podcast. That's like that's kind of about what we've been saying since the, since week one, isn't it? I'm pretty sure his favorite team is his least favorite team. Yeah, as well kind of, too. It kind of seems that way. He grew up a big Vikings fan, did he not? They yeah, showed I, his uh, Randy Moss Halloween costume from his youth on the uh, Sunday Night Football broadcast. I, I mean, when when. When, if ever, and, and of course, when are they ever they are they going to let their best unit actually perform? They're and, not and because, they, because, like you say, Zimmer wants the defense to be the hero, and they were set up to be the hero again, and again they didn't come through. Oh, yeah, okay, all right. Well, I'll just keep waiting patiently about the defense. I'm you just can sit here. You can now talk about the defense because I'm just waiting for you to give me your fancy. Uh, out the pro football focus stat that tells me that this defense is actually good. Do you okay? Do you oh, think pro I, football focus says the defense you, ranks number five in LMNOP, so they're pretty oh, good. Geez, so you're you know more about defense than pro football focus, obviously. So, but I, the thing that we've the thing that we a hundred percent agree on, actually, the two things we a hundred percent agree on are one. They need to trust the offense more. And two, the defense has failed them in very big situations, which is 
about all that matters in this league. You can take all the numbers you want. If you're not getting the one stop you need, it doesn't really matter. Well, that's absolutely true. And to the extent that, that this defense has any positive statistics, it is undoubtedly because they have played Jared Goff. They have played a Baker Mayfield who tried to throw the game away. They've played, uh, what was that goofball? Sam Darnold. They have played a succession of really terrible quarterbacks. And imagine when Aaron Rodgers does get a hold of them. Lamar Jackson next week. How many times, how many times did you see passes to wide open receivers last night? Just unbelievable. they, and we've they said gave, it before. They gave Cooper Rush like all this cushion, like Cooper Rush was going to carve him up if they didn't show this journeyman some respect. Well, and it, we've said it before, right? That if the pass rush doesn't get there, the rest of the defense cannot make up for it. Right. And with so, so when they lost Neil Hunter, yeah, exactly. Right? You were going to say that. Then it's then it's 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 all over. It's it's just over for this really bad defense that Zimmer still wants to trust. And as you said, had yet another opportunity to be the heroes of the game. Had yet another opportunity to finish it off for the team and could not do it for what now the seventh game in a row. Yeah, I mean it's been they've they've had I think five opportunities where they were either tied or you know, gave up the tying or go ahead touchdown in, in the fourth quarter overtime this year, something like that. Give, go ahead points, something like that. Uh, so pro football focus thinks they're great. So you just pro football, pro football focus and football outsiders. You take up your beef with them. I am merely the messenger. I'm the conduit of information as a, as a journalist, I am merely here to spark discussion <laughs> about, uh, about these things. I would not profess to know the deep inner workings of football. I, I want hey, to, you're just asking questions. I'm just asking questions. You're, you're just asking questions. I, I do want to share with you another stat that I like um, going back to the offense for a minute here. I don't like this stat, but I think it's, it's a telling stat. Um, so Vikings again, first drive, is beautiful. This is like the same. This is another problem this year. Um, so is the top heavy roster, which where they lose a guy like Neil Hunter and there's no making up for it, but they, they, they go down the scripted drive is beautiful. They score a touchdown and everything after that is, is not good. Um, after that first drive, Kirk cousins had 20 completions. 12 of them are what football outsiders would call failed completions, which means they didn't get a certain amount of yardage on first, second, or third down to make them successful plays. He was they were just dink and dunk, throwing short of the sticks all night, whether it was, you know, putting them in favorable situations on first and second down or not getting the yards you needed on third down. And that's just, I don't know if it's a function of him checking it down, if it's a function of them being scared, if it's a function of the offensive line and Garrett Bradbury getting blown off the ball repeatedly. Probably all of those things, but that was a factor the other night too. Well, absolutely. And and like we like, like I started with, Kirk Cousins is a human being, and he had a bad game. And why exactly he had that bad game? I'm sure there are some factors that above and beyond his offensive line wasn't terrific, but it wasn't as bad as we've seen it in the past as well, too. So it kind of seems like he was seeing ghosts, as they say. Primetime and- Kirk, baby, it's not been great. Yeah, that he's not performed well in a lot of these situations. And we also know that that he doesn't have that same consistent level of play through an entire season. That he goes up and down. We've we've had our Kirk Tober 
And now we might be moving into a stretch where maybe he's not so great for whatever reason. It, it seems to happen with him. But even so, there were plenty of times when, uh, uh, when he it did exactly what you talked about was check down when we know that play couldn't work. And he almost seemed as if he was unwilling to, to take chances after Justin Jefferson should have run that ball down that he quit on uh, and was not as willing to, to move forward from that point forward. And so, you know, but there were times when maybe they should have run the ball and stuck with it when they, when they could have, there were times when they certainly should have thrown it more. There were times when they just panicked. There were times when Kirk just didn't play well and it's going to happen. They still should have beat a third string quarterback or a backup quarterback against a team at home where Zimmer and his, and his uh, pretty precious defense could have saved the day. And so, you know, unless the offense scores 25 to 30 points every game, right, the rest of the team is not good enough to make up for it. And that is especially on Zimmer and his defense he loves so much. It absolutely is. We'll see what new and creative way they figure out to frustrate us next week. Doesn't I mean, this is the stretch. That, that game was... You know, it was it was going to be a kind of a toss up no matter what, even when Cooper Rush, you know, a huge break and not getting Dak Prescott, you felt like, OK, this is an opportunity. That game was in, in the context of their season. That was so important. Just, you know, the game, the season's not officially over right now. But if you win that game, uh, you suddenly feel like you have a much better chance of getting through this, you know, hard stretch of your schedule with Baltimore, the Chargers and uh, Green Bay in, in better shape. And now you're like it's like you're just in scramble mode. So now can they, you know, make us believe again by somehow beating Baltimore and containing Lamar Jackson next week. And I, I'm not, let's just say I'm not all that confident, especially with the, uh, the reported prognosis on uh, Daniil Hunter that Ben Gessling is, uh, has put out there already today, which doesn't make it sound like he'll be back anytime soon. Well, uh, last night felt like it might've been a breaking point. I mean, you just read the quote from Adam Thielen, at what point does the offense just get too frustrated with the way this regime is running things? If, if Zimmer is the one who's truly in charge and he couldn't call a timeout when they needed one on offense at the end of the first half, but called 17 timeouts at the end of the second half when it cost him a penalty, right? There, there's, there's got to be a disconnect there as well, too. There does. It feels like it's heading the other direction, but, you know, this is the NFL, so we will see. We'll do this again next week, and we're sure to be angry, I'm guessing. You're still holding out hope for the playoffs, by the way. The site 538.com gives the Vikings a 24% chance of making the postseason at this point. That is not great. New York Times and Football Outsiders a little bit more forgiving, 31 and 35% respectively. But you see the damage done by some of these games the Vikings probably should have won earlier this year. Most certainly that Dallas game against backup Cooper Rush being chief among them. Tuesday is on daily delivery. I talked to Randy Johnson, does a great job covering go for football for the Star Tribune, covering the football team in town that doesn't make everybody upset, at least not yet. 
Um, you know, kind of a carbon carbon copy of the uh, the Maryland win. Lots of lots of runs, lots of uh, comfort at the end. Forty-one to fourteen at Northwestern is about as uh, business-like and impressive at the same time as, as I would have uh, would have imagined that win to be. Yeah, it, it was a pretty good performance. Uh, both sides of the ball by the Gophers. Uh, Fifty-three rushes, three hundred six yards. Uh, two two backs go over a hundred yards. So you know that was very workmanlike, I, I guess. And then um, early on, the defense uh, defense gets a uh, scoop and score after a forced fumble by. Mariano Sori Marin, um, freshman uh, Justin Wally takes it back uh, on Northwestern's first play from scrimmage, and all of a sudden the Wildcats are down ten nothing, and uh, Gophers even a little bit of first half um, not being able to capitalize fully uh, on their deep drives into Northwestern territory, settle for a couple field goals, but uh, you know second half came out and take, took care of business pretty well. And we keep saying they're going to have to throw the ball at some point. I didn't think we would. I don't think we thought that Northwestern would be that game. Do you feel like when they've been throwing lately that there are things you like to see, or are there still some, some prove it things in the past game once we get to, you know, a little bit more of the depth and their schedule coming forward here? Yeah, I think they, I mean, they've been decently thrown it. Uh, they've also, uh, you know, they've kind of developed a nice weapon in uh, Mike Brown Stevens, who's, Averages about 26 yards a catch uh, this season. Uh, he's had a couple nice uh, plays uh, against Northwestern, let, let him in, in, in receptions with four, which, you know, it doesn't sound like much, but it, 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 they, it got him downfield pretty good. Um, yeah, they're, they're going to face bigger challenges uh, on defense, uh, especially when they play Iowa and when they play Wisconsin. Uh, you know, that's, that's going to be the biggest test. Um, you know, this this week against Illinois, maybe not so much, but uh, you you want to be able to bounce out a bit. Not necessarily fifty fifty, but you, you need to be efficient. And so far, they have in the in the last four games. Now, they're leading the Big Ten West right now, four and one. Three teams below them at three and two: Wisconsin, Iowa, Purdue. They've of course already beaten Purdue. Gophers play Illinois here at Minnesota next weekend, and then it's at Iowa. Then you got Indiana, and then Wisconsin here to end the season. Those are, uh, you know, I think Indiana's winless in the Big Ten right now. Illinois um, not having a great season. They fell back to earth after that Penn State upset by the Austin Rutgers, right? So figure, take care of, you know, you don't want to overlook those two games, but if you imagine that they're going to be able to have this kind of ball control against those two teams um, sets up pretty well for them. Like we've been saying, and they keep taking care of business. Who's the team that you think we, if you're a gopher fan, who do you have to think about more right now? Is it Iowa or is it Wisconsin? Well, as a fan, you can think about it, whoever you, you want. And, and you, you'll, you'll look at both of those, um, you know, the team they'll be focusing on Illinois, obviously first, um, you know, right now, Wisconsin looks like, you know, they, they took care of, uh, Iowa pretty easily, uh, twenty-seven to seven. Uh, you know they they look uh, like the same old Badgers on defense. They're very good on defense. Uh, Iowa's been a team that's um, feasted on turnovers all year, and they've used those as fuel. But when they don't get those, uh, they get in trouble a little bit. Their offense can uh, can be shut down. Wisconsin's offense can be shut down at times too. It's uh, you know, we're not talking, you know, um, Badgers teams with uh, Jonathan Taylor there. Uh, you know, they have a decent running game, but it's um, Mertz is a bit, 
he hasn't been the the biggest uh, the best answer at quarterback uh, over the years. Compare when you compare. How do you think they're feeling right now? I know they take this one week at a time. That seems like a good model to to have. Um, now that said, do they how you know they're bowl eligible now? How how you know how how big are their goals right now, and how good do you think they think they are? Good question. You know, they they, they try to uh, the players basically try not to look ahead. They'll um, you know they, there's a little bit of that after the after the game on on Saturday, just the fact that they're leading the division. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, it's in their mind, mind that uh, what happened against Bowling Green, you know, you, they have to guard against something like that. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure, though, you know, deep down, they've got those two uh, two rival games circled. Uh, you know, that's they, they haven't uh, defeated Iowa under Fleck. They're uh, one and three against Wisconsin, uh, won the Axe in 2018, and then, um, then in 19, uh, Wisconsin came in there basically for the, the West championship and, and won it. So I'm pretty sure they remember those, uh, those games pretty well. And they were talking about that 19 season a- after the game and, you know, basically saying how they they've learned from that, that, that November that didn't go quite the way they wanted, wanted it to after the big upset went over Penn state. Yeah. that's a good point. I mean, and that, that year, you know, you, last year was such a weird year. It still feels like 19 is, you know, really, fresh and this is a much this is a different team than that year that than that team they they you know the skill on the skill position wide receivers are much different you had some NFL talent you know on on you know at the skill positions on defense that year too with you know Antoine Winfield Jr in particular if you, as you think about those two teams I, making a comparison is maybe unfair but do you do you feel like this one is built to have a special season like that one did you know to a degree or is this, are they going to run into roadblocks along the way here? Yeah, you know, that, I think that really depends on what happens in Iowa city and what happens on the uh, Thanksgiving weekend, weekend here in Minneapolis. Uh, those two will games will tell what, uh, what this team ends up as, um, you know, it could have, you could have go from a, a good to a great, to an exceptional season. If, if you get dandy for the, uh, the big 10 title game and win, you know, win that West, um, you know, it, it, it does come down to those those games. You know, I, it, it is a different team than, than the 19 one. I don't offensively not as not as uh, um, talented in the skill positions. And, and obviously their depth is at running back is being tested very, very heavily there. Um, but the the offensive line, I would say, is better. It's most of the same people from that team. And, you know, they're two years older and, um, you know, playing very, very well right now. Uh, the offensive line and then, you know, the great uh, blocking from uh, the tight ends, especially Co'Keefe. They lost another running back, didn't they? They're, is that their third one that went out? Yeah, Bryce Williams uh, went down uh, after a nice uh, nice game, 19-yard gain on a uh, uh, pass out of the backfield and um, uh, got tackled on the sideline. Looked like his uh, left leg got rolled over, so possible ank- foot or ankle. Um, but, but uh, yeah, Coach P.J. Flex said today that um, he's like, for the season. Um, so that's the third following Mo Ibrahim and um, Trey Potts. Now they're down to uh, the two guys that got them hundred yard games on, on, uh, on Saturday. And then uh, their third back now is uh, Derek LeCaptain, a uh, converted linebacker special teams player who was, who was a, an outstanding um, running back uh, in, in Wisconsin in high school in Wisconsin. He, uh, 
has the uh, all-time Wisconsin record for yards from scrimmage. So he he, he has um, a lot of experience there. That'll, that'll help. And he had a nice uh, 24-yard touchdown run against uh, Northwestern where he broke about three tackles. Okay, so – as long as they can keep the the last ones standing, they'll be uh, they'll be all right. Well, good stuff, Randy. Another big game next weekend, but the one we're really looking forward to is that Iowa game. I think that's going to be pretty uh, pretty fun down in Iowa City, and uh, that's that's uh, these, that's why these guys play right They're, They don't want to shy away from these moments. Yeah, you, you you'd think you know you go into those games, you know, you don't want to start looking. Okay, if you have to lose here, or where do you have to win? It's like just take care of what what's ahead. That's that's. That's the funnest way to do it. Absolutely. Good stuff, Randy. We'll do this again next week. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Talk to you later. Love talking to Randy Johnson. Good stuff as always. Looking forward to the rest of this Gopher football season. It should be a fun November, no doubt about it. That will do it for today. Talking to Chris Hine, I believe, on Wednesday's show. Got to get to the bottom of what is going on with the Timberwolves. They got they beat the Bucks in Milwaukee 3-1. and one. Everybody excited since then. Home losses to a shorthanded Denver team. And then Tuesday, I'm sorry, and then Monday night losing to Orlando at home after leading for a lot of the you know first two, two and a half quarters of that game. Just a terrible loss, especially the way it happened. It ended up being pretty lopsided so i'll talk to chris about what is going on with that team on wednesday's show thanks for joining me here today we'll be back at it on wednesday